This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 168. Hey, it's John here. I've got one final announcement about Face Value, the ultimate colored pencil portrait course, and then I'll be done because the course opens on Monday, and you've only got until Saturday to make a purchase. And so I've got a special offer just for you, a podcast listener of the show. And I've only got 15 spots for this special price. This is the absolute lowest price that I've offered on this course. It's 50% off the year access to Face Value, the Ultimate Colored Pencil Portrait course. 50% off. I know that sounds crazy. So you get the one-year access, and you get all the pre-sale bonuses included with that as well. But you got to hurry because there's only 15 spots. You can use the promo code PODCAST or just click the link in the show notes, and it expires in just two days. So hurry if you want to take advantage of that. Sign up for the course right away and thank me later. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts, Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how be you today? <laughs> I be good today. <laughs> Our grammar is just out the window today. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> All right. Well, this is a show about colored pencil where we discuss anything and everything surrounding this medium that we love so much. So, Lisa, what's our topic today? We are talking about some of our favorite mixed media thing mixed media things. That's yeah, grammar really is an issue today, huh? Some of our favorite mixed media mediums to use with colored pencil. That is one of the cool things about colored pencil is you don't have to make it just 100% colored pencil. You can use so many other mediums with it. And that makes it exciting, I think. Yeah. And one of the things I do want to throw this out there before we get started, one of the things that I hear, I get weird comments. Well, okay. It's YouTube. Of course I get weird comments, but I've gotten some weird comments lately that were saying- Is this a people, personal issue? <laughs> but they were saying that tell people us all that. using, and I've seen this on other videos as well, people who use mixed media don't have skill or talent, which is hilarious to me because I would think that means they have a little bit more skill, at least technical skill, as because you have to learn how to use two different mediums to make yeah. that work. But I personally- personally don't follow that. I love mixed media. I mix stuff all the time. For me, it's more about the finished product, what makes a good product. Now, you do want to make sure when you're mixing mediums that it is archival. So for example, you wouldn't want to work in a, in colored pencil and then put acrylic on top of that because you're putting a water-based product on top of an oil and wax-based pencil. So you want to be aware of what you're using and make sure that they do play nicely together. Now, you can do the other way around. You could do something with acrylics and then put colored pencil on top of that, but then you run into a bit of an issue as far as what are you going to varnish that with. So these are things that you want to consider consider when you do decide to do a mixed media. But as long as, it, as long as it's archival, it's about the finished product and just creating beautiful artwork. Yeah. And the protection of the work is important as well. And those considerations up front, 
uh, need to be made. You know, you need to figure out what is going to protect this work best with both of these mediums. And so sometimes that can be um, a little bit of a, uh, a puzzle piece to put together. Definitely. So what started this conversation was that I just started using Pan Pastels. The company sent them to me. So just for transparency, I didn't buy them myself. But Pan Pastels contacted me and wanted to see if I wanted to try their product. Now, I've always been hesitant with pastels because I'm a bit neurotic when it comes to everything being clean. Like even with the airbrush, that can leave some residue on your um, like desk and stuff. It wipes, it dusts off. It doesn't ruin anything. But as far as just, I don't know, I like everything to be nice and neat and clean. And pastels in the past when I've used them, they're super super chalky. They're super dusty. They get everywhere. I hate the, that chalky dry feeling on my mm-hmm. hands and I don't like to wear gloves. So that's not an alternative, like a good fit. For yeah, me I'm either. same way. That, so, that was always the, the thing that turned me off with pastels. Yeah. So I never, I mean, I've had people ask me to try them and tell me, no, you'll love them. You'll love them. And I keep thinking, I don't believe you. And then when Pam Pastels contacted me, I was like, well, Sure. I mean, if you're going to send them to me, I'll try them. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad they did. I'm so in love with these right now. You've used these in the past too, haven't you, John? Yeah, I've been using them for a few years, but recently I purchased, let me, I I can look from my microphone over here. (laughs) I think it was a 20 set. Yeah, that's what um, I've got. That's what it is. Okay. Okay. We probably have And I love it because you can mix almost anything from that. Like I don't feel like I'm shorted colors. They mix and blend so well. Yeah, so potentially you have so many more colors than the it, 20. Yeah, opposite. it feels more like acrylic or oil painting where I can have a, mm-hmm. a, a limited palette, but then mix anything from there. And I think right. that 20 set really is just a solid set of colors. I've had no mm-hmm. problems blending anything that I wanted so far. Right. Yeah, definitely. I and, love them. And they do have a lot of colors that you can get. They're available open stock or in the big sets like what John and I are using. Now, for the surface, you're going to want to make sure that you're using the right surface for these. Like, I wouldn't personally want to use these on a hot press watercolor paper like I typically use with colored pencil. So I've been using them on sanded paper. I've used them so far on UART 500 and on Fisher 400. I definitely prefer the Fisher 400. It is just such a good texture. The It comes out so smooth. I got a background. I mean, just laying down a blurry out-of-focus background goes so quickly with these. And then the colored pencil lays right on top of them. I've mostly been using my polychromos for fine details because the the pan pastels, you're using soft tools. So you're going to need a few things to go with those. You're not just going to get the pan pastels themselves. But if you get the soft tools, it's almost like painting with a palette knife that has a little sponge on the end. They're tiny. But you're going to apply it that way. And the pencil sticks on top of it because you've got so much tooth with the sanded paper. It sticks on top so nicely. Like they just go so perfectly together. It's definitely one of my new favorite combinations. Yeah. And I have noticed that it, at least this has been my experience is that polychromos seems to work just a little bit better with pan pastels than a wax based pencil. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's well, I think it's that the about, wax sticks weird. It doesn't yeah, grip it does. quite it the same. Yeah, it's similar it, to using powder blender where I want my polychromos to blend for, you know, get the best results there. And I yeah, exactly. felt it was the same with these. Uh-huh. Like for final details, the wax is okay, but not for like when I'm laying down those initial layers. And I'm able to even lay down, like I've been working on this owl and I can lay down the browns and the blacks as my base color and then just go on top of it with lights and darks, anything with the pencils and it sticks mm-hmm. perfectly. Right. I've had no problem going right on top. So it, it's saving me a ton of time and the results. Oh my gosh, I am loving that soft background. Yeah, I used it on, uh, well, I used it a couple of times on two different uh, portraits that I did recently. And yeah, it was, it was amazing how quick 
I just got that done. I mean, and one of them I used OMS on and the other one I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't need to, but yeah, yeah, it was so, so fast. Yeah. And the odorless mineral spirits actually work really well with pan pastels. I know some pastels work well with water. Odorless mineral spirits seems to be the better choice with these. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure if that's, I don't know what they're made from, what what the difference is, why these don't play as nicely with water as other pastels. But the OMS, you can use it to clean up edges, to clean up lines, or even if you wanted to blend out some of your colored pencil for sharper edges. Um, That worked really well on the sanded paper, but you do want to keep in mind what type of paper you're choosing to work with. So if you're using like pastel mat, pastel mat doesn't like OMS mess as much because it's so absorbent. So it's not, you know, you, you want to keep that in mind when you're choosing the paper that you're going to go with. The other thing that you want to keep in mind is how you're going to get your image onto the paper. If you're working with sanded paper, especially that's super thick. And a lot of the pastel papers are. So if you typically use a light box to transfer your image, probably not going to be the best choice with these papers. I would prefer to either use tracing and transfer paper or use a projector. Even if you want to freehand, these are still the tools that I would use to get my image onto the tr- the sanded paper because sanded paper doesn't erase that well. Like it, it's too rough. Even if I use a 6H pencil to draw out my lines, you would swear I was using a B of some sort. Like it's really, really dark. So you're probably going to want to draw your initial line drawing on yeah. another piece of paper and tracing and transfer paper or a projector to get that final drawing onto your image is best for tracing and transfer paper. The tracing paper, any brand works. That's not a big deal. But for the transfer paper, I've always preferred low Cornell. Yeah. The the only thing about that is, I mean, I, I agree, but what, what I, what I used to do when I started using, um, sanded paper, you know, and most of the time I prefer the UART, uh, um, paper over, uh, Fisher 400, and I, I mean, I like the Fisher 400, but I, I really love the UART uh, paper a lot better. I don't, I don't really, the, the other thing is with the UART, I can get it just about anywhere. Yeah. Fisher yeah. That's definitely it's a, a little more difficult to get. Anyway, the, the point I was going to make though is when I, when I first started using it, I was trying to, you know, figure out a transfer method and, and figure out how not to erase or how to have, you know, how to get around this problem of not being able to erase or not being able to change the image all that much. But I got to tell you that after using it for a while, what I found is that I can just freehand on sanded paper. Now I'm not talking about like a 240 grit or something like that. I'm talking about 800 grit or 600. Um, those are the two I primarily use, but the reason why it works okay doing that is because and it works well is because i if i make a mistake i can go over that i can go on top of that yeah with that something is true. else you know you know you can get a, away yeah. with having some mistakes and then just you know restating a line and then knowing which line you know you're going with whenever uh you're progressing through your art project but yeah um you don't have to be as careful early on in the process. And that's, I, I think it's made me kind of a, a sloppy drawer. Um, <laughs> I can use that term. <laughs> See, I'm too sloppy, sloppy to start with and I have to erase too much. And so it yeah, would be I mean, one solid black blob by the time I was done getting you, my oh, drawing yeah. out. But, but, but the problem is you can do that with this paper, yes. with the sanded surface, a sanded paper. And it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to work out just fine. By the time you get all those layers built up, then you can even add all those small details. And so, yeah, just using, you know, the sanded paper by itself and not anything else with it, color pencil, doing your pan pastel in your background and that kind of thing, or even in, you know, your initial layers on your subject, 
Um, it just goes so fast and it's quite forgiving. By the time you're done, you can have total coverage. Plus, if you're using polychromos, you know that the cream mm-hmm. colors at like, I think it's ivory and white. They're mm-hmm. not very opaque. They don't show up mm-hmm. that well. On sanded paper, they, they sh- they're they super opaque. Well. They show up right, beautifully. Right. Yeah, that's so I actually ended up having it's to a order a bunch thing. more because I normally didn't purchase those yeah. given I never used them. And now I've had to buy a lot more since I started working on sanded paper uh, because they're wonderful on that. Yeah, they don't really you love that well. cream on sanded paper? I think uh-huh. it works so well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so next, uh, let's talk about graphite and water-soluble graphite. Now, that's another medium that I really enjoy because I enjoy the discipline of drawing. That's just something I really gravitate towards uh, over painting or anything else. I can never get away from my first love, and that is graphite. Um, You know, I've tried a lot of other mediums, but I always come back to colored pencil and graphite. And so using water-soluble graphite is something that I've been experimenting with even more recently. I've tried it a long time ago, and I was not as impressed. And I don't know if maybe there is a difference in some of the ways that the companies are creating the... I, I You know, I, it's all the same materials. I mean, they're using that Arabic gum, I'm guessing, most of the time as uh, the the substance to make it soluble with water. But... There's something about some of the recent ones that I've used uh, that just just did so well. I mean, getting a base coat layer, and I think we even did a podcast on water-soluble graphite not all that long ago. But if you're using it as, you know, you're laying down an initial layer and then you you use a water medium and you definitely have to pay attention to the support that you're using. Always get, you know, use a good watercolor type support so that it'll hold up and won't buckle, won't have all those issues. But if you lay that down and then you use water to spread that out, you get such a great base coat, and it goes down so quickly. And we know how slow a pencil medium is, especially to get some large coverage area uh, completed. And if you do that, though, then you can go back over it after you let that dry, after you have that initial tint on there, and then work in all of your fine details. And I think that's a great way to go. Yeah. Yeah, and the thing that I like about water-soluble graphite is you're really not – you're probably not going to be pushing hard enough to damage the tooth of the paper. So your oh, colored pencil point. still has plenty yeah. to grip to. So I still use mm-hmm. hot-pressed watercolor paper when I'm when I'm combining these two. Now, regular graphite does work, but because – I mean, it's essentially a lubricant, and it gets super um, – you, the paper, the more you layer with your graphite, you're making it kind of slippery. And so yeah. the colored pencil doesn't have a lot to grip to. So when I use a regular graphite pencil, I like to make portions of the artwork just straight black and white with the graphite and then portions straight colored pencil. I don't like them where they layer over each other. It doesn't give me the results I like. I've seen people do it and it was beautiful, but it's not what I, how I like to work. But the water-soluble graphite, because of the, you don't have that, that slick surface when you work with it, you can get so dark so mm-hmm. easily with that water-soluble graphite. With that one, I like the one by Faber-Castell, the mu- um, oh, that's Aquarelli the one that something. Used, that I, I used recently, called. yeah. Yeah, I really like theirs, though. Theirs is probably my favorite that I've used. And um, the, I like the size of the pencil. They're just easy to work with. Mm-hmm. So with those, though, you can get really neat. I mean, when you, you put the colored pencil on top of it, you're going to have a little bit of that gray tint show through. So you're getting that sort of grizzle look, right, um, right. that layering. But with the colored pencils being fairly translucent, you're going to see a bit of that gray through it. So it almost, I don't know, at least when I've done it, I've gotten a look that almost looked like an aged photo that was color tinted. 
I loved the effect that it gave, though. Really, really pretty. So with the water-soluble graphite, you can work on regular watercolor paper or hot press, but if you're going to go with colored pencil, I would recommend a hot press because that just works well for both. Yeah, yeah, no, good point. And the other thing uh, made me think of this is if you're, you know, getting that tinted surface then with uh, the with graphite, with pencil, and then you are, if you are going back over that with just a regular, you know, graphite pencil, especially if it's one of the B's in any of those areas where it's got less clay in it and more graphite, then remember, though, that the property of graphite is that it lays flat. And so that's where that slick surface comes into play. And so one thing you can do to kind of get around that particular issue when you're combining the two in this mixed media of graphite and colored pencil is you can spray a layer of fixative down after you get your graphite down. And then you can go back over that with your colored pencil. Now, I have seen people do that quite successfully. Um, and I've done it in small patches, but I'm typically not using graphite. I'm using a colored pencil and then spraying that and going back over it. Yeah. But that can be done. That is a, a, a good method for combining the two. One of the next ways that I love or next mediums I love to mix with colored pencil is with an airbrush. I use usually either Holbein or Golden's acrylic pa or airbrush paints. And I like them because they have a fairly matte surface. So it's not something where you've got a super glossy area of the painting and then the duller color with the colored pencil. You, when you first look at it, you don't realize it's two different mediums. And for me, that's kind of important. Like I like when it all just goes together nicely. The pan pastels are the same. The graphite's a little different because you're mixing black and white with color. But but with the airbrush, with those two paints, I've been really happy with it. The Createx paint I used to use, but that one, it, it tends to clog my airbrush worse and you have to thin it more. So extra work and I'm lazy. So we're going <laughs> to, I have not been using that one as much. But with the airbrush, the, one of the things that's so nice is the techniques that I use it for are for getting a blurry out of focus background. And it saves so much time in doing that. You don't have to be good at the airbrush. You can have your airbrush first day, day one, and get something decent looking for that background. Because the stuff that's hard with the airbrush, well, just maintenance you know, making sure you keep it clean and not clogged and all that. But besides that, the thing that's harder is getting that fine little detail that takes more control. But if you're using it like I do, where you're just getting that blurry out of focus background, it's so easy to do. So it's not something that you would really need to be intimidated by. I know a lot of people hear airbrush and they're like, oh, that sounds too hard. It's not, not for doing backgrounds like this. Now, there are a few things that you're going to want to do if you do decide to use the airbrush. One, you want to make sure you're choosing a paper that plays nicely with water media. So hot press watercolor paper is my favorite. Another one that I really like is the Canson Me 10s, their artboard. That one's really, really nice. It works great for colored pencil and for airbrushing. So it's a good, good combo there. But you want something that can handle the water media. You don't want a paper that's going to be super, super absorbent and warp and cause problems there. So a watercolor paper is nice. Um, for me, that works because that's what I already use. The other thing is that you may want to mask off. If you want to be super messy with that airbrush, you really don't want to worry about covering your surface. You're going to want to mask off the area you're going to work in colored pencil. I don't typically airbrush the entire paper and then put colored pencil on top of that. I keep the area where the colored pencil is going to go. So let's say I'm painting a bird, but I want the background airbrushed. I'm going to use one of two products to mask off the bird so I don't get airbrush paint there. And then I can be sloppy when I airbrush. But I either use frisket. And with frisket, it's basically a big piece of clear tape. 
You just draw in. I, I stick it on top of my paper, my artwork where it's drawn out. I draw, take then a marker and just draw out, you know, trace out the outline and then a pair of scissors and cut it or uh, an X-Acto knife and remove the portion, you know, cut it out that way. The drawback with that is that it's harder to get the, se- the super tiny detail because if you're using scissors or a razor blade, it's not as easy as painting on masking fluid. The bonus is that it's very low tack. It just comes off really easily without damaging the paper. Sometimes masking fluid doesn't play nicely with different papers or the masking fluid. I've had masking fluid go bad and it just started ripping everything I attached it to. Yeah. Like it dried too fast. And you want to make sure with masking fluid that you don't leave it on your artwork longer than maybe an hour. Get that back off that paper as quickly as possible because the longer it sits, the more adhesive it becomes. So you can end up like, let's say you decided to leave it overnight. That could rip. Now, luckily the airbrush is quick enough, you're not going to spend more than an hour or two working on it. But don't, I would not recommend leaving it on overnight or for multiple days because just like if you tape the outside of your paper, it becomes, that tape will become more and more adhesive and it can rip when you go to pull it off. So you don't want to leave it on too long. But the nice thing with the masking fluid is you can paint it on and get tiny details. So if you have like little wisps of hair for a tiger or something going out into your background, you can have painted that on and have a little bit more control that way. So both methods have some pros and cons with that, but oh my gosh, saves so, so, so much time versus like doing everything in colored pencil. I mean, sometimes I like to do it all in colored pencil, but this is definitely one of my favorite mediums to mix with colored pencil. I love the end result. Mm -hmm. I've not used um, airbrushing, um, not not because I'm scared of it. Uh, it's the price. It's just so yes, costly. Definitely. Well, one of these years, I'll maybe yeah, I mean, you're venture into a, that medium again. I don't. Yeah, I, or, it's about a four to five hundred dollar uh, investment just to, to barely get started. Do it. So, yeah, yeah. And I that just, doesn't count all the paint. That just covers you yeah. know your basic basic just to get started. So it's definitely yeah. An I've got I've got other mediums that I'm still exploring, <laughs> but and the other thing, I'm glad you mentioned the frisket versus uh, masking fluid. Um, another thing to keep in mind with that, if you're new to using any kind of masking at all like that, then the the masking fluid, the thing to keep in mind with that, what happens is when you're putting that anywhere on your paper, and yes, the paper is going to matter, but it just, what happens is it soaks down into the fibers of the paper. And so you just have to remember, get it off there quickly. It is for shorter uh, periods of time. I mean, it's intended to be used like that. You can't just bake it on there and leave it for, uh, you know, overnight or a week or month. Or whatever it will not work uh the frisket so i haven't used that very much i've used it a couple of times and one thing i was going to ask you lisa is that have you noticed any kind of um it's just like tape though there's no i guess it's a any very kind of low time tack tape yeah yeah extremely so low, low tack, tack. so, so you don't really have a time limit there yeah um the uh, thing is though i would only use it for airbrushing there's nothing else that i i see a reason to use frisket for because let's say i wanted to paint um, I, I was using watercolor mix, which we'll come into watercolor and colored pencil. And I wanted to mask off the area that I was going to use colored well, pencil. Well, yeah, and that's, not mix that's the part that, the, but, yeah, any water is going to slide right under it. So you would not want to use frisket in that case. Frisket is only really going to be suitable for airbrush because the airbrush paint is, it dries it pretty much as yeah. soon as it touches the paper. Well, and I guess and it, it would slide have under. to do also with, uh, how thick your, um, you know, if you're using a real thin wash, then yeah, it's going to really, yeah, slip I wouldn't under think frisket would be at, at any time really a suitable choice because for watercolor ink tents or any kind of water media because it it's the point of frisket is that it is so low tech so it's not even the same like i can use masking tape and get 
a fairly straight line and it doesn't leak under too badly more yeah. than I like. But yeah. I mean, that that's an option. But with right. brisket, it's so low tack, like it's meant to not adhere. It, it just barely sits, barely attaches mm-hmm. to that paper. Yeah. So anything will slide right under. So it's not a good choice for any kind of water media. Now I say that, I mean, technically airbrush is a water media, but you're, the way that it sets on top isn't quite the same as painting with a brush and having it slide right under. Okay, so we hinted at it. So let's go ahead and talk about watercolor. I, I like this medium uh, as well, using that with colored pencil. And one of the things I like about it is that it is a permanent wash that you can get on the background. And obviously, with something like this, you have to be very careful about which support you're using. Uh, but if you get a good watercolor paper, uh, you should be fine or bored. Some type of a primed surface for water medium. It's not going to lift off like gouache will and get rest assured that you have like this wash underneath and then you can go ahead and start painting on top of that with a colored pencil or however you're going to uh, approach the next layer of, of medium. The only thing I would say though with, with regard to that is just be careful about, you know, you don't want too much of a buildup of paint. I, I would keep it like a thinner wash and depending on the project, obviously, but you, you don't, you want to be able to go over it with colored pencil and have a consistent look with your colored pencil. And so you want it to uh, be able to adhere over anything that you uh, have put down and then watch, you know, the light fastness of the watercolor that you buy by the, by the ones that have an A or AA uh, rating on them. That's what you want to look for. Yeah, and with watercolor, you can either do it as a wash as John saying, or you can paint your whole background. You can paint your whole subject with watercolor and then go on top of with the colored pencil for fine detail. Like you've got so many options. Now, watercolor is the one I would use frisket for. If I wanted to mask out, let's say I wanted the super creative, like very loose watercolor feel background, but I wanted a, a really tight colored pencil, super detailed. Mm. I'm going to use masking fluid in that case. Mask off where the water, that's going to go and make sure that watercolor background is going to be done within an hour or two before I so I can get that masking fluid off the paper as soon as possible. But those work really well. Now, you do want to watch. Um, ink tents is another way you can go for your background. Remember, a lot of the ink tents are not light fast, so that's, again, something to watch. But if you wanted to go with ink tents or water um, watercolor, both work really, really well. But make sure you're paying attention to which order you apply this one to because you're talking about a water-based product and then your oil and wax-based pencil. So you don't want to start working in colored pencil and then wash watercolor on top of that because it's not going to adhere to it. It's not going to stick. You're going to end up with archival problems that way. So watercolor or ink tents first and then you can put colored pencil on top. I've also known of people who did an acrylic underpainting on paper. So you would have to gesso the paper, paint it with acrylic, and then use the colored pencil on top of that for fine detail. Now, the only problem with that one is it gets hard. Like, how do you, if you wanted to put a varnish over it, that's going to be a challenge. Um, luckily, though, I mean, technically, if it's on paper, I would just put it behind glass and not varnish it at all if I were going to do a watercolor, or I'm sorry, an acrylic base and then colored pencil on top. Now, if you're going to mix acrylics and then put color pencil on top you do want to watch i would recommend get a, an acrylic paint that's more matte so like the liquitex basics works better than maybe the heavy body or the soft body because if it's a high gloss acrylic paint the colored pencil won't grip to it as well it's too slick whereas if you do kind of a wash or a thinner coat with the matte paints you've got more for that colored pencil to stick to not my preference that's not a look i like as much i prefer the watercolor or the ink tents as a base to acrylics, but that's an option as well. Just make sure you're doing it in the right order. Don't do colored pencil and then take your acrylic right back on top of that because that's not going to stick long-term. You're going to run into archival issues. 
Awesome. All right. Well, maybe you were thinking of something that we didn't mention that you can use as a mixed media for colored pencil, maybe gold leaf or something like that. Oh, I've seen that Which, done. Oh, so pretty. So you can comment in the show notes over at sharpenedartist.com, or you can join us in the Facebook group for Color Pencil Podcast. If you like the show, consider giving us a rating and or a review. We would appreciate that. And this is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.